The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention. When you were just talking to me Do you think that you could repeat the question And I listen more attentively There must have been something In all of that nothing That wasn't quite so easy to see And I must have missed something When you were just talking to me All righty, let's get this show on the road, shall we? By the way, the guy who sings the song at the opening of the show, so you can bring me up a little bit, uh, Melvin Taylor went live about a week ago from his basement and started playing all the songs on his record to try and raise money for the waitresses at Toad in Boston where he normally plays. And he felt so bad that they weren't making money during the shutdown that he's like this big fund. He raised like, I don't know, like six or eight hundred bucks for the, for the waitresses at Toad. So I want to thank Melvin Taylor. What do you say we just scrap the show and just listen to Melvin Taylor all day? That's what I say. All righty. Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, atop Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And we've got a uh, great show for you today. We're going to do some breaking news. Then we've got a guest for you that we're going to talk about uh, the coronavirus hysteria. And boy, you know, it's kind of looking awful. I remember last week we had Neil Perry in here, and he's saying it's not hysteria. Tom, it's not hysteria. I'm telling you, Tom, it's not hysteria. You, you're like a guy in a minefield that doesn't care where he goes. Remember, he says Tom in the minefield, remember? It's, it's starting to look an awful lot like Tom was right. Again, and it's not that I want to be right about these things, but you just start look at the numbers. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. We've got some breaking news, and I'm really kind of surprised, Ben, that um, we broke this news. The paper came out on Monday. We started delivering them. Most of West and Central Methuen got their papers on yesterday, or Tuesday, Tuesday, which would have been yesterday, actually, so it would have been Wednesday, uh, got papers. A great deal of East Methuen got their papers and I would have thought that my phone would be bouncing off the hook with this new breaking, big, huge breaking news story from Methuen. And if it wasn't for the coronavirus hysteria, this would have been my lead story. This would have been the front page story. Instead, I had to bury it in the notebook. But I still, th- given everything going on in Methuen, I would have thought that somebody would have downloaded the PDF of the paper, read through the notebook, and saw this and went, wait a minute, What? But I've gotten zero phone calls on it, so we're going to talk about it a little bit at the beginning of the show during breaking news. Um, For the last uh, at least three years, there's been all this controversy and conflict over the Methuen Police Superior Officers contract. And there's been all kinds of accusations going back on both sides, mostly against the cops, mostly by city councilors who want to be mayor and want to micromanage everything. And... um, so the mayor, Mayor Neil Perry, and the police superior officers sat down about three and a half weeks ago, four weeks ago, to discuss possibly settling this thing out of court and coming to an agreement and putting this whole issue to bed. And a little birdie told, and I actually did confirm this. I was When I made the phone call to confirm it, I said, listen, I heard something. I know it's probably not true, but I just got to call you and ask you, like, can you just confirm yes or no whether this is true or not? And I, I threw it out there, and the person on the phone burst out laughing and said, I can't believe it took you three weeks to call me on this. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like, you guys all know about this, and nobody's telling me. So here's the story. Apparently, three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, when Neil, Methuen May and Neil Perry and the Police Superior Officers Union got together to negotiate an out-of-court settlement, they actually came to an agreement. There is an agreement on the table. And the only thing stopping that agreement from being ratified is that the president of the city council, Jim McCarty, refuses to put it on the city council agenda to be ratified. Hmm. That's kind of odd, don't you think? The guy, Jim McCarty, hates the cops, hates Joe Solomon, 
Um, thinks everything's a conspiracy. He's a big conspiracy guy. Probably thinks we never landed on the moon, right? Probably thinks that was all a big hoax. Um, has been one of the guys that have been most harsh on the police. He has called them, he has accused the police officers of being part of a quote criminal conspiracy. And now that this this conflict and controversy over the police superior officer's contract may be over, and all it takes is a vote of the council to make it over, he's purposely dragging it out. Now, I can understand putting it off on the first meeting because that was the coronavirus meeting. That was that first meeting where everybody had uh, everybody was Skyping in, and they're actually still doing that, but it was that first meeting where everybody kind of Skyped in, and um, they didn't actually have a physical meeting where everybody was in the room, but everybody was kind of like on this Zoom program. I, I, use, I use other things. I use BeLive, and I don't use Zoom. I don't know how it works. Um, so I understand like on the first meeting – Getting through the corona stuff, getting through how much money the mayor needs for the laptops for people to stay home, not come to work, how much additional money they needed to buy from masks for people who are city workers, et cetera, et cetera. But they've now had another meeting, maybe two, since then, and they've actually conducted actual real business that had nothing to do with the coronavirus, and yet the city council president refuses to put this on the city council agenda. So he's denying the other councilors the right to vote on whatever agreement Mayor Perry and the Police Superior Officers Union came to. He's denying the public the right to know that there was even an agreement because he won't put it on the agenda and neither side can talk about it until it goes on the agenda. And it just seems awfully weird to me that a guy who, he and his, he and his lackey, uh, Steve Saber, who, who are just constantly attacking the cops, now that there's an opportunity to kind of put this aside and focus on, you know, running the city's business, they don't want it to go away. They don't want the conflict and controversy to go to, to go away. They want it to drag on as long as they possibly can. And by the way, you know who's paying for that? You guys are. Because until the mayor and the superior officers union's agreement is ratified by the council, you're still paying police officers, police superior officers at the old rate, at the old contract rate, which is what everybody is complaining is too high. So every day that goes by, that Jim McCarty doesn't put this on the council agenda to be ratified and taken care of, you guys are spending more money than you should be on police superior officers. And here's the rub. At the last meeting this week, it was Monday night, I think, City Council Steve Saber had the nerve during the middle of this coronavirus thing to get up at the council meeting. Now, the rest of us are all like bringing coffee and donuts to the cops and sending pizzas to the firefighters and sending uh, you know, meals over to the nurses at Holy Family and at, at uh, uh, Lawrence General. And we're, we're, most people are genuinely giving an outpouring of support to our first responders. I mean, these cops, firefighters, and people on the, on the front lines, they're contracting this at a much higher rate than the rest of us because they're coming into contact with more people than we are. And they're bringing it home to their families, and it's a very scary thing for them. I mean, they have to deal with this, too. And while all that's going on, you know what Steve Saber's crying about at the city council meeting? We're paying too much money for police overtime during the coronavirus. Are you kidding me? Like, I heard him say it, and I thought, I had to have heard that wrong. And then he said it again. And he's going on and on about how we're paying too much money for detail time and too much money for overtime for police officers during a coronavirus. And he actually said, like, looked right into the camera, had no shame whatsoever, and actually said... And I see police officers on Twitter doing videos uh, about coughing into your elbow and using hand sanitizer when you touch a, a doorknob. Why are they doing that? We shouldn't be paying them to do that. These guys' jobs is public safety. This is a public safety crisis. And that's what police officers and firefighters and nurses and EMTs, that's what they're all supposed to be doing. And since crime has gone so far down because of the coronavirus, because everybody's staying home and behaving themselves for the most part, why not have police officers using social media to try and educate the public as to what they should and shouldn't be doing during this crisis? But there's Steve Saber right there at the city council meeting. I mean, he doesn't, does not care one bit that there's a coronavirus, doesn't care one bit that people are dying, doesn't care one bit about what's going on. It's just continually attack police officers for making detail and overtime money during this crisis. I, I, it's shameful. It's utterly shameful. And last night, he actually went on Facebook and accused Methuen Mayor Neil Perry of bankrolling my newspaper and accused me of being the mouthpiece for Neil Perry and the Police Superior Officers Union. And I, I, my, regular re, my regular followers are laughing in their, in, their, in their chairs right now because I come from a police family. I've been pro-cop since I was born. 
I didn't need the police superior officers union to sponsor my show for me to say nice things about them. I was already on their side when this started. I was on their side when the whole thing began. I was on their side through the middle of it. And now, now that we're toward the end, I'm still on their side. If I had my way, I'd pay cops a million dollars a piece. I'd cut half the school budgets in every single community because they're not, they're not educating kids about anything anymore. These kids are graduating. They can't read and write. They can't spell. They can't read a traditional clock. But they know all about abortion and global warming and transgender bathrooms. I would take half that money from the school system. I would give it to the cops because those are the guys running toward the bullets while the rest of us cowards are running away. However, I understand that I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy. I'm in the minority on that. I get it. Right? But... These cops are out there, and they're putting their lives on the line. Every time they pull somebody over, they're putting their lives on the line. Not just from being shot, but maybe from getting corona and bringing it home to their mom or their kids or their grandkids. And there's Steve Saber attacking the cops. I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I also don't get why people seem to think he and McCarty have this thing where they think they can try and hurt my credibility by telling people that the police superior officers and the mayor bankroll my newspaper. First, it was Sharon Pollard bankrolls my newspaper. Sharon Pollard's never given me a dime in her life. Like, I've never gotten a dime out of that woman, not for our scholarships at the bash. She's never come. She's never bought a table. She's never bought an ad. She's, we've never had anything from Sharon Pollard ever in this newspaper. If anybody really wants to question who bankrolls my newspaper, pick up my newspaper, flip through it, and look at all the advertising. That's who bankrolls my newspaper. I pay my bills from advertising. But they think they can hurt my credibility by saying, oh, Perry does it. It's the police. They're bankrolling you. Um, and so I tried to challenge Councilor Sabre last night, um, asked him why it was that he wanted to make such slanderous remarks, given that I have attorneys on retainer from all the lawsuits I've been involved in. Um, he reiterated his accusation against the paper and Neil Perry and the police and said that, uh, I said, well, what are you talking about? The, the, the advertisers in my paper pay for my paper. What are you talking about? He said, yeah, but none of them pay. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm still in business. Your buddy Tim Wood's not in business anymore. He was your mouthpiece. See, that's how it worked when Methuen Loop Weekly was around. When Methuen Loop Weekly was around, Tim Wood was the mouthpiece of Steve Saber. Steve Saber wrote stuff, gave it to Tim Wood. Tim Wood would put his name on it, and he'd publish it. And the real funny thing of all that is I'm at war now with Steve Saber, I'm at war now, or they're at war with me, with Tim, uh, with Tim Wood and Sid Harris and Jim McCarty and, and that whole little crew, that anti-Perry crew. And why am I at war with them? Because two and a half years ago, when Tim Wood was Steve Saber's mouthpiece, isn't it funny how they always accuse you of doing what they're doing, right? When, when Tim Wood and Luke Weekly was Steve Saber's mouthpiece and attacking Jessica Finicaro every single day, I defended Jessica Finicaro. I went out there. I'm the, I'm the only guy, not the Tribune, not Methuen Life, not any of the others. I'm the one that defended Jessica Finicaro. I'm the one that said, you guys are slandering her. This is wrong. I'm the one that wrote editorial after column after editorial, calling them out for being wrong for the way that they were disrespecting Jessica Finicaro, for the way that they were setting her up at the council table, and they did. And here we are. I blink, and here we are three years later, and Jessica's on their side now. Look, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Politics definitely makes strange bedfellows. Um, what else do we have? Uh, I don't want to spend too much time because we do have a, a guest. The North Andover elections, which was supposed to take place on March 31st, thanks to Phil of the future, Phil DiCollegero, who called me and said, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm not for cha um, changing elections. I'm, I'm for, you know, I mean, people during the Civil War, you know, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln gave furloughs to Union soldiers that was fighting down south to come home and vote during the Civil War, and the generals are furious. They're like, we have so few guys now, what are you doing? He said, voting is more important than fighting right now. And Abraham Lincoln, I think, was right. I had a long conversation with Phil about that, and he agreed with me. And then I flipped on TV the next day, and they took a vote for um, postponing the election to June 1st. And Phil was the deciding vote, yes. And I went, wait, what? What? What happened? And I called him up. I gave him a hard time because he's a friend. And I called him up, and I said, what happened? What are you doing? And apparently two of the five North Andover selectmen couldn't vote because they have a conflict of interest. They're on the ballot. So you had three members were only able to vote, three out of the five, and it had to be unanimous either way, so he acquiesced to his, to his uh, colleague. So you can't really hold it against him. I wish they had just held the election on March 31st. Um, when we look at these coronavirus death numbers, which I'm going to do now before we bring in Lisa, it, it, it's starting to look, Ben, like I was right. That no matter what anybody says, 
They can run around with all this hysteria all they want. Let me just give you some basic numbers as of right now, okay? So I just, five seconds before we went on online, I pulled up the numbers, the coronavirus numbers in the United States. So we'll take into account first, 330 million people live in the United States, and that's not including illegal aliens, right? Because how do you count the illegal aliens? They're illegal. 330 million people live in the United States. There have been 454,615 coronavirus cases in the United States. That's 0.013%. Right? So that's one-tenth of 1% of the entire country has contracted this virus. We closed the whole country down for less than one-tenth of 1% of the population. Of the 454,615 people who have contracted this virus, 16,074 so far have died. Now, there's some question about the numbers, and we'll get to that. Let's just go with what they're giving us for now. So of the 454,615 people who have gotten the the virus, which is one-tenth of one percent of the population, 16,000 have died, which represents 3.5% of the people who contracted the virus have died from the virus. What that also means is that 96.5% of the people who have gotten the virus have recovered. But you don't see that on CNN, and you don't see that on Fox News, and you don't see that when most of the local communities release their numbers every day. Certainly the CDC doesn't want people to know what the recovery numbers are. They want the public to continue to be frightened. That's what they want. And you can agree with me or disagree with me. You can say I'm minimizing it. I'm only minimizing the hype. All right? I'm not minimizing anything. I'm giving you the actual uh, uh, – Tom Lucier and a bunch of people have gone on Facebook and said that I am minimizing the risk. No, I'm giving you the actual risk. The rest of the media is hyping it. All they're doing is showing you refrigerated boxcars outside of hospitals and crying about masks and crying about ventilators. And the governor of New York is screaming he needs 37,000 ventilators when he hasn't been able to use the 400 that he's got. And you start to look at the numbers – This is supposed to be a 14-day incubation period. We've all been on lockdown for about 30 days. And in that 30 days, the best they can come up with is less than one-tenth of 1% of the country has gotten the virus, and only 3% of the people who have gotten the virus have died. Ben, I think I called it like a week, two weeks, three weeks ago. And everybody's telling me, you're, being, you're not being right. You, people are going to take risks because of you. They're going to die because of you. No. All I'm doing is, my job as a reporter is not to stand in line and tell you what everybody else is telling you. It's not to jump on board and be part of a team. It's to question everything we're being told. And nobody wants to question it. Now, one more thing before we get to Lisa. Those numbers that I gave you are the numbers reported. Uh, less than one-tenth of one percent have it, 3% of the people who get it die. Here's another little fun fact. According to Dr. Burks, who does the uh, daily press conference with President Bush, I mean, sorry, President Bush, wow, dating myself, President Trump, she said the other day, and when she said it, I posted on Facebook, everybody called me a liar. She said, if someone dies and they have coronavirus, but they haven't died from coronavirus, we're adding those numbers into our numbers. In other words, if you have a heart attack and you happen to have the coronavirus, they're counting that as a coronavirus death. She said that. Tom Duggan didn't say that. Well, Tom Duggan said it three weeks earlier when you guys called me full of crap, but now she says that. Also, front page today, New York Post, feds classifying all coronavirus patients' deaths as COVID-19 deaths regardless of cause. So if you've got diabetes, if, you've got, if you have a stroke, if you have uh, renal failure, if you have a heart attack and you die and they find that you have the coronavirus, they're listing that as a coronavirus death. So think about this for a minute. If they're lying, and we, the evidence shows that they are, if they're lying to boost the numbers and the best they can do is 0.13% of the population getting this virus, why did we shut the damn country down? Like, what is all this about? I told somebody yesterday I'm going to go out and deliver newspapers because the Valley Patriot is out on the street, by the way. Rumble's out of business. Loop Weekly's out of business. The Valley Patriot is still here. And I called my friend Jana and said, I'm going to be out doing deliveries tomorrow. Do you want me to bring papers by the office? Tom, stay home. Tom, you're at the highest risk. You've got an autoimmune disease. You smoke. You've, you're the highest risk there is. You need to stay home. 
And I'm looking at the numbers, point, zero point, what, what am I staying home for? Like, I've been going out every day to the post office. I go out and I get my coffee. I go to Borelli's Deli to get my meats. Um, every once in a while, I'll go by uh, um, that little Lebanese market in Lawrence to get my cigarettes. You can't buy a Newport cigarettes in North Andover because it, it, it's, it's bad for children. Yeah. So I have to go into Lawrence to get them. Then come June 1st, the state law kicks into effect, and you won't be able to buy Newports anywhere in Massachusetts. I'm going to have to come to New Hampshire to buy my cigarettes, which is just phenomenal. But you can get weed and gummy bears because that's not going to attract children. You can put drugs into gummy bears and chocolate. That's not going to – but anyways, I digress. So these are the numbers. These are the breaking stories for the beginning of the show. Uh, I think we've handled everything. Oh, uh, one more thing I just want to touch on real quick. Um, it's amazing how people who have power when something like this happens become drunk with their own sense of power. Dan Rivera in Lawrence was so – in sense that he was driving through the city and nobody was socially distancing, that he called in the National Freaking Guard. He called in the National Guard, but not to like police the streets and keep people six feet away from each other, which you would think that's what the National Guard would be for, right? No, no, no. He's going to use our military, our National Guard. He used them to go through the neighborhoods and put flyers on people's cars to let them know that they need to stay six feet away from each other. Like, these guys could be in Afghanistan killing Taliban. They could, be, they could be in Syria killing ISIS. They could be on our border protecting us from people coming over the border with SARS or, or, or uh, uh, coronavirus. And they're in Lawrence putting flyers on people's cars. Are you effing kidding me? It's ridiculous. All right, so those are our big news stories. I'm really surprised nobody picked up on the uh, police contract. And shame on Jim McCarty. I expect transparency from a guy like Jim McCarty who preaches transparency at every meeting. He and Steve Saber pretend that they are the arbiters of the taxpayer's money. They are the guardians of your money. And they refuse to take up the police contract, which is, by the way, costing you more money. So in the studio with me today, who I'm sure will disavow every single thing that I just said, <laughs> because she's not a political person. She's a medical person. She's a business person in the community. We love her. She's also a sponsor of this program, is... Uh, Lisa Williams. Now, how do you say the, your hyphenated name? I hate women. Savinelli. Savinelli. Now, yeah. why? Can I just ask, like, as a side note, yeah. why do women have to always have hyphenated names? It's just wait. It sounds like not, it sounds like a law firm. Lisa not, Savinelli Williams. What is that? So I actually dropped my middle name. Oh, you so, did. Yeah. So it was Lisa Ann Savinelli. Oh, right, so I you shortened it a little for me. Yeah, I did. All right. Okay. And right. then when I got remarried again, which was Delacy. Which was not to me, by the way. <laughs> I couldn't be Lisa four names, so All right, okay. I didn't take my husband's name. All right, fair enough. So, so now I'm just Lisa Savinelli Williams. All right, okay, fair, yeah. fair enough. So we had Lisa on last week with Neil Perry, uh, Mayor Perry, who I'm supposed to be this big mouthpiece for, even though, as you saw last week, we agreed on almost nothing. Nothing, absolutely. We agreed on almost nothing. So I can say this for an absolute, <laughs> they agree on nothing. We, we agreed on nothing. But I, I, I don't I'm, agree on anything you say. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. That shows how smart you are. Shows how smart Especially you are. the teachers. Like after being home, yeah. like with the whole Zoom learning and I I mean, I was a teacher. My parents were teachers. My grandfather was a teacher. I mean, I have a tremendous amount of respect for teachers and uh, all the stuff the parents have to do now with trying to teach their kids, yeah. it is so hard. Mm -hmm. I'd rather the parents do it though. Because I bet you the parents aren't teaching them about transgender bathrooms and Tell abortion. They're teaching their kids about They are. Oh, God. The schools are. They are. They just are. They're teaching politics in the schools. I have kids come to my office all the time, not to belabor this, but I have, I have kids come to my they're office. They're teaching them tolerance and patience and kindness. Which is politics. Don't teach them politics. If the kid can't spell and the kid can't read a traditional clock and the kid can't balance a checkbook, but he knows all about tolerance and respect and all this other stuff that they're teaching him, We've failed these children. They're not prepared to go out into the workforce. I have kids show up at my office all the time looking for a job. I never used to do this. I used to just interview them verbally, and if I liked them, I'd just hire them. Right. And then I hired a kid one day, and I asked him to write something for me, and he sent it to me, and he, the kid didn't even know how to use capital letters. And I was like, I, I, I was incensed. So now when someone comes looking for a job. But that's just one kid. I, you, you have I a, understand. You have a sample of one. And right. Kind of right. One. But, but now when kids, come, <laughs> when kids come to my office, I give them an application to right. fill out. And it's write four sentences as to why you want to work for the Valley Patriot. That's it. I just want to see if they can write four sentences, put the period where it's supposed to go, put the capital where it's supposed to go. None of these kids can write four sentences. None of them. Not one kid that's come to my so office. So do you know what I think? I think you should volunteer write. your time. At a local, um, you could go to Lawrence High, Methuen High, yeah. Haverhill High, 
North Andover, Andover. Yeah. Volunteer your time. But they all know about transgender bathrooms and global warming. They all think global warming is an existential threat. You know, they all have the political talking points down that they're learning in the classroom that they shouldn't be learning. See, here's my thing. If they were teaching English, if the majority of the kids that were graduating from any local high school could speak, read, and write the English language adequately, and I'm not saying perfect, I'm not perfect, but just adequately to get a job, and then they want to talk about politics and global warming and gay marriage and all that stuff, fine. That's a discussion we can have. But they're not even teaching these kids the basics. They're graduating. They can't read and write. They're graduating. They don't know where to put a comma. They can't read a traditional clock. They can't balance a checkbook. They don't understand life. They don't need- Most kids that I talk to that have graduated from a Thuan High, and I've made this a thing now for the last year, whenever I talk to somebody, I have a friend who says, oh, this is my daughter so-and-so. She goes to Methuen High. I say, what do you think about the, um, the Second Amendment? Do you, think, do you think we have the right to carry firearm to defend ourselves? None of them believe that. None of the no, there's supposed to be restrictions on it. When I ask them, um, what do you think about the First Amendment? Is hate speech uh, uh, an exception to the First Amendment? Should we ban hate speech? Almost to the one. Like almost 100% of them say yes. So we're not teaching them the Constitution. We're not teaching them about our government. What are we teaching them? We're teaching them politics. We're teaching them save the planet, global warming, transgender bathrooms, abortion. We're teaching them all these political concepts. And we're not giving them the basics, and then we can't figure out when they graduate why they can't get a job. Or if they get a job, they can't keep a job. You know what I'm saying? Well, I have to say that I've met a lot of kids from Methuen High. It would graduate in Methuen High, and I've been impressed with every single one. Oh, they're all the best. <laughs> but I'm not blaming I have, the, I have. But I'm not blaming the kids, yeah. because when these kids come to me and I say, where, do you, where did you go to school in North Andover High? You went to North Andover High, and you don't know where to put a period? Methuen High. You went to Methuen High and you don't know where to put a capital letter. <laughs> like, really? You graduated eight years of, of, of public school and you, and you don't know? Or 12 years of public school and you don't know? See, this is your opportunity. Okay. You can save some kids. You okay. can do it. All right. Okay. See, this I'm going to challenge you. This now. is what I like about Lisa. She, <laughs> she loves to take it and turn it around and make it a positive. Because <laughs> you're just a positive person. I'm going to challenge you now. So, um, so that I mean, look, that's just my view. My view, and people are free to disagree with it. That's uh, right. Hopefully without being hateful. I get a lot of hate no. mail. Um, if I had my way and I was in charge, I could wave a magic wand. I'd take 50% of the money out of the public schools until they could do it right. Get rid of all those mid-level administrators, all those mid-level people, psychologists, all those people. Take that money. Oh my God, God bless them. Give it to the cops and the firefighters that are running into burning buildings. But that's just me. I, I grew up in a, in a cop in a police firefighter household. With this coronavirus stuff, okay. you've had a really tough time, and I bet you're actually even losing sleep since this coronavirus thing happened. You run AFC Urgent Care in North Andover and Methuen. Do you own any others too, Swamp Scott maybe? So um, we have a director of operations and we co-own uh, six centers together. So my husband and I own North Andover and Methuen and um, his name is Dave, Dave Adams and he owns um, Burlington, uh, Stoneham, uh, Bedford, uh, and Waltham. So okay. he has four, and right. we, sh- we co-share. Did a- I see one in Swampscott? Did I just miss yeah, that? Yes, so that that's not part of like our... Okay, not part of your So we, we are considered like Patriot Urgent Care. Okay. Um, and we uh, we have the same medical director, and her name is Dr. Christine Oreo, and she okay. is absolutely amazing. Really? Yeah, she's absolutely lovely. She's single? Stop it. He's so <laughs> inappropriate all the time. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> But that's why people watch. I know. Are, that's why they watch. I know. So, so you've got this consortium, yeah. you've got this group, that, yep. and you own uh, six of these uh, AFC Urgent Cares. Yeah. And since the beginning, we talked a little bit about it last week when Neil Perry was here. Since the beginning, you said, we're going to do COVID-19 tests, yeah. and we're not going to charge people a deductible. So, so that's... Um, per, the federal government came out and said that we're not going to test, we're not going to uh, charge people for the test. So when people come in, whether they have insurance or don't have insurance, we are um, we're testing them. Um, it, it's we're, we're trying to figure out what the reimbursement in, is at this time. I heard that you guys are like spending forty dollars per copay, and you're getting reimbursed like thirty. Is that true? Is that from Diana? <laughs> <laughs> I get all these numbers. I get all kinds of spies everywhere. Everyone tells me everything. Uh, right? So I'm let's here. not talk numbers right now. <laughs> well, okay, but but so I guess the reason I'm bringing it up is that you're spending money out of your own pocket. Like you're in, you're not in business to lose money. You're in yeah. business like I am. I run a newspaper not to lose so, money. I'm so right now, win money. We'll we'll deal with that in the back end. Right yeah. now, our goal really is to test as many people as we possibly can, and 
that is our goal. And we, so we just got the new rapid test and that is going to make an unbelievable difference because we can get the results in five minutes. Okay. Um, now when, when will that start? We heard Friday and then we heard maybe not Friday. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a little complicated at the moment. So we're supposed to do a drive through, um, testing tomorrow in Methuen if everything goes it's tomorrow to Friday. Tomorrow's Friday, yeah. I don't go to bed till 5 a.m., so my days bleed yeah, into yeah, each other. Yes, yes. Um, so was, you're supposed to be doing it on Friday. How many people have you had so far? You, I, would say I drove by there at one point, and you guys had a lot of cars. Yeah, there. there was a lot. Um, so I'd say, so we do, we rotate. So keep in mind, we're trying to um, accommodate, like, basically the entire Commonwealth. So we do um, North Andal. We'll do North Andover, to, um, sorry, um, Methuen tomorrow, Saturday we'll do uh, Stoneham, and then I think on Tuesday we'll do Waltham. So we're okay. trying to accommodate everyone. But no North Andover? No. So because I own North, uh, North Andover and Methuen, we saw a greater need for testing uh, in Methuen because I'm trying to accommodate you know, Haverhill, Methuen, Lawrence, North Andover, and Andover. Now, what has this been like for your staff? We have some great pictures in this edition of the Valley Patriot. Yeah. Which still exists and still yeah. is in business, despite the fact that Methuen Loop Weekly is not, and neither is Rumble. They're out of business. So now I too. can't. So I can't take credit for the staff. Um, I don't oversee. Sure you can. I, I really can't. Um, and they're so adorable too. They, Wherever they, I go in, they, they love are, us. They are amazing. Um, I don't oversee uh, the staff. Um, that would be Dave Adams, and he is the director of operations, and he manages the staff. Same thing with Christine Oreo. Okay. And so what's it been like on your staff? Because I can, they're all young girls. Yeah. So I have to say they are, they are almost like inspiring since the beginning. They've been extremely positive. They've been amazing. You have, um, to pay for their masks and all these. So you're not just paying for the copay stuff. You're also taking money out of pocket to pay for the masks and the gowns and the getups and the, you know, they look like they're astronauts in the the paper. They look kind of cute, huh? And and so it's got to be, I mean, unless you're an independently rich person, it's got to be putting a strain on your resources to handle other people. Because if I have, if I have, if I'm sick and I want to go to AC Urgent Care, I can't get any help Supplies, supplies are challenging. Um, They, the PPE, um, I was like, what is PPE? personal protective equipment, um, and they have to wear it. Anytime they touch or go near a patient with COVID, they have to be completely gowned up from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very sensitive uh, to moisture, so they can't actually wear it um, if it's raining. So, yeah, we have to be very careful of that, and we have to conserve it. Are you having – because I watch CNN every day, and they say that the healthcare workers aren't getting enough masks, they're not getting enough gowns, they don't have enough PPE, and, of course, it's all it's all Donald right. Trump's fault, orange man bad. Um are you finding that? Are you finding that you're having a hard time getting these so supplies? So we are working with um, our state reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been very helpful. So How has Christina been? Christina Minacucci. They've all been awesome. They've all been amazing. Uh, I can't say and thank them enough for the amount of help that they've given us. So, of course, everything goes to the federal government, from the federal government to the Department of Public Health, and every week we kind of submit, like, mm-hmm. what we need. Um, of course, the hospitals have precedent over us, which is understandable mm-hmm. because, of course, they're taking pa- care of inpatient patients. So, um, now, is it Holy share. F- didn't Holy Family set up another hospital somewhere in Haverhill? Where they're shipping people for testing. So I think Did right now they're they're tr- they're trying to figure out um, if there's going to be a surge of patients, like what they're actually going to do with those patients. Everything is they're trying to figure out everything. I think at the moment. Do you think we've hit the peak? I actually think we hit the peak last week. No. So for Massachusetts, it's supposed to be April 18th. Really? Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. They're trying to go by you know what. Um, New York is supposed to be on the 12th, I think, but don't quote me. <laughs> I should probably right. know that. But these are the same people that said 200,000 people were going to die from this. I mean, all the predictions have been wrong so far. They originally told us that it wasn't transmitted human to human. Now we find out that that's not true. Then um, they told us 200,000 people were going to die in the first wave. We've now found out that's not true. Right. So I'm a, I'm a little skeptical. Like I'm the guy that remembers weapons of mass destruction in New York, in, uh, in Iraq, 
and we have to overthrow Gaddafi and read my lips, no new taxes. And I didn't have sex with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. And you can keep your and you can, and you can keep your doctor if you like. again. <laughs> and you can keep your doctor if you like your doctor. You can keep your plan. What I'm saying is, we've been lied to and lied to and lied to over the last thirty years by our elected officials. And it's amazing to me that the general public is just so trusting and so naive that they just throw their hands up and say, "Yeah, we're just going to do whatever we're told. We're just going to believe them." Right. And so that that bothers me a little bit. Um, you you really think that we're going to have a, we're, that it is going to spike even more within the next couple so of weeks? I I honestly don't know. I think with the amount of testing that we're doing right now, especially with the rapid testing and how easy it is, we're going to see a lot more positives. Can you talk about what that testing is? Can you talk about like how so that works? Basic, so that What's the difference between the old testing that took five weeks to get an answer <laughs> and, and now the one that gives you one in like 14 seconds? Uh, so the old testing basically was a swab that they kind of stuck up your nose and it either went to uh, the Department of Public Health, which is a lab there, or went to Quest. And the results took anywhere between three days or 10 days mm-hmm. um, and then but people were, you still had to be quarantined for four, uh, for 14 days because sometimes the the result the test wasn't actually accurate so people still had to be quarantined uh, this is immediate you're gonna you can find out the results that same day so that's that's pretty good so I know that it's brand new so we probably don't know too much on numbers but what about false positive, false negatives? Do we know it's what those rates saying, are? I mean, keep in mind, uh, this test just got out. They released, uh, I can't I can't even, um, it was actually on the news on how many tests they actually released. Um, but we have, um, I think we, o- we have over 300 for, mm. uh, for tomorrow. Um, we, have a, we have almost 1,000 basically for the weekend between um, Methuen, Stoneham, and Waltham. Do you have a plan B if Friday doesn't go off the way you want it to go? Well, if Friday doesn't go off the way we want it to, and sometimes stuff like that happens, we can um, we can send everybody to Stoneham. Um, okay. Where they will be doing testing. Yeah, they will be doing testing on Saturday. So we, we always have plan Bs. With all of the stimulus money that's out there, all the grants and all the small business loans, 0% interest loans for businesses, I would imagine even though you're a healthcare provider – you guys hopefully qualify for some yes, of those, maybe to recoup uh, some of that. Right. So maybe you can get some of your money back yes, to your spending. Yes, and, and I think every small business right now is actually applying for those right. loans, yes. Right. Have you seen Have you seen um, a, a downtick in the people who you do business with? Have you seen that hurt? Have you seen this coronavirus hurt the people that you do business with, the people you buy things from, the people that you uh, interact, the businesses you interact with on a regular basis, or is everybody in the health profession kind of, Exempt from this so and they're all working. what I think, um, I think this has been a big hurt on um, physicians. People aren't actually going to their doctors anymore. Everything is all telemedicine. Um, of course, providers are scared to actually see patients in their office because it's it's fourteen days that people you don't know whether or not you know one of your patients might actually have the virus. So you don't want to spread it to anybody else. So a lot of the practices right now are doing telemed. Um, if you actually come uh, to my center in Methuen, um, you have to, you know, you have to call ahead of time, um, and of course, visits, of course, are, are down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's across the board with uh, all physicians. How does the reporting work? If you guys test someone, say I go in tomorrow, yep. I'm from North Andover, I get a test, and you say, okay, you tested positive. Yep. Um, how how does that get reported so that when North Andover releases their numbers of, of cases and deaths and recoveries, if they do that, um, will my number show up in their numbers? So basically everything is reported to the Department of Public Health. Okay. Um, and they and, compile it. Yep. And they compile it, and um, which is actually really, um, mm-hmm. really important because they need to track everyone at this time. When all this is over, you're going to have like a huge party for all the girls that work for you. <laughs> like to shut down for a day and order ice cream and just buy yeah. everybody ice I cream mean, or something the, when it's all over. You have to really um, respect and commend anybody right now that's working in healthcare, the nurses, the doctors, uh, the medical assistants, um, anybody who's working in a hospital. 
I can't take the credit for anything because I'm not, I don't have hands-on, you know, right. I'm not taking care of patients right but now. But you're the one making it happen. Like, you're the one behind the scenes that's coordinating and making these things happen. I would like to take credit for that, too. But I'm like, I'm just basically getting the education out there right. and making sure people actually show up for the testing. Right. Now, are you doing any remote testing? Are you guys going anywhere to do testing? Like, we're somewhere so where people are stations, fire so we, so we can't at this time because you actually can't, you know, take the devices and bring them other places. Okay. Um, um, I would love to be able to do that, but we can't. Do you know what some of the numbers are, like the number of people you've tested and how many have tested positive? So I just get the kind of the percentage. So every week, apparently, just the percentage numbers goes up. Okay. I, I'm hearing that it's around 20% now. 20% of the people test, you've tested have it. Yeah, they have tested positive. Wow. That's, that's much bigger than what we looked at for the national and the uh, state. Yeah, and, and that's numbers. because people have to be pre-screened. So that's why when we, you know, for any drive-through we have, people call the day before, mm -hmm. they have to be, you know, pre-screened by a provider. And it, most of the people that we pre-screened are sick. They have a fever. Right. Um, they have a cough. Some of them have difficulty breathing or, you know, might they, they might be a first responder or somebody who has actually been around somebody else who's tested positive and actually has it with symptoms. So the chances that those people are positive is very high. Right. Uh, we are with Lisa Williams here at the uh, Studio 21 Podcast Cafe at the Paying Attention Podcast. I want to thank our sponsors. I love our sponsors. Most of them have stayed with us, even through corona, which is one of the reasons why the Valley Patriot is still in operation, while most of the other newspapers are literally folding by the day. McLennan Real Estate, we love Matt and Janet and Sam and everybody over at McLennan Real Estate. They also help us with the homeless, with TMF. Uh, you might see them on any given Wednesday showing up with pizzas or uh, with food for the homeless. Uh, they're great people. AFC Urgent Care, obviously. Uh, Lisa Williams, we love Lisa. And anytime I can spend time with Lisa, she, said, she called me, she said, I want to come on the show. I'm like, that's, that's fine with me. I'm, anytime I can spend time with Lisa, I'm a happy guy. Uh, Ron Marsan and Son, Ron Marsan and Son Construction. Uh, they'll socially distance. You know, if you need somebody to come and fix your porch or something, fix your roof, they'll stay six feet away from you. They'll still stay six feet away from, you know, the other people working for them. They'll come and they'll take care of you. Climate Design Systems. Now, Nina was supposed to be with us today as well uh, from Climate Design Systems. We love climate designs. Uh, they do HVAC, heating, uh, air conditioning, stuff like that. I would imagine with all the businesses that are out of business now, or closed right now, or furloughed right now, that when it's time to start going back, which hopefully will be very shortly, uh, the president says he wants to do it very shortly. I think he should open the country now, quite frankly. But when they do open it up, it would be great to have uh, climate design systems come into your business and clean out the, the duct work and the flumes in your business that, that carry uh, the air circulation so that if any kind of virus has gotten up into there, um, that you're not recirculating this virus and starting it up again. So give Climate Design Systems a call. They will, again, they will socially distance. They are still in operation. They're still working through this. Uh, they're trying to keep people safe. Uh, they're all wearing masks. I talked to Nina again this morning. Uh, also, Borelli's Deli. Um, if they're still, if they're still uh, open when we leave here, and I think they're closing early during the day because they're just doing lunch. But if they're still open, I'm going to get my meats there. Um, and if not, then tomorrow I'm going to be going to get my meat. I don't know if you've been to Borelli's. I love Borelli's. Oh my God, they've got these great meat platters that are. I, I bought. Do you a know the mayor actually donated lunch to my entire staff um, on the drive-through? Really? Yeah. And did he buy Borelli's? Well, they kind of it was a donation together, but I thought that was like the nicest thing ever, yeah. and I so appreciated it. He's been doing that a lot, and he got mad when I brought it up last week when I said was that. I he, not, maybe I wasn't supposed right. to bring it up. He got mad at me last week when I said you spent four hundred dollars sending food over to Holy Family because he doesn't want. He's not doing it for credit. That's just he's a humble guy, yeah. and he's not doing it for. Well, credit. I want you to go. I want you to go pay, and they're like, "Oh, the mayor already picked it up." I was like so embarrassed. I'm like, wow. what do you mean? It's like, wow. you're not supposed to be doing that. Wow. So if anybody wants to send free food to the Valley Patriot office, by the way, we're on the front line still. It's our 75 Main Street, North Andover, if you want to do that. Um, but we do appreciate uh, climate design systems. Horizon Home Care. Now, one of the groups of people that you don't really hear too much about on the front line of this coronavirus are the people that go in and do home <gasps> care. That is I mean, the hardest job. They, I mean, you have to think you're going into someone's home who may have this or whose family member may have this and you have to spend eight hours taking care of them, bathing Very them, hard. doing all – that's a tough job. That's probably tougher than even being a nurse in an emergency I didn't department. know that was one of your sponsors. Yeah, Horizon Home Care in Tuxby. They are them. awesome. They are awesome. Um, and uh, and I think we even waived their fee for this month because they've, they've been hurt too by all of this. 
Um, and a free plug for JG's ice cream, because even though they're not spending any money with us, we want them to. And also because the ice cream is just so amazing. That it, are it, they open now? Not only are they open, but you can get them with Uber Eats and DoorDash. You can have ice cream delivered to oh you. And I feel like I, a college kid. Every time, every time the girl, <laughs> every time the girls come over to my office, like I, I had the girls over to the office last night. Uh, we had five of them, and we're all sitting around like talking about stuff and you know drinking and smoking and all kinds of other debauchery. And they're like, "No, no, no! We've, before it closes, we've got to call JGs. We've got to get some ice cream here. They wanted, they wanted everything: banana splits and hot fudge sundays. And within, I think it was like within like." 20 minutes of us making the phone call, the ice cream showed up. Like, it hadn't even had a chance to, to melt yet. Oh, my God. If my son knows about this, where, where are they? Uh, JG's is here in Salem and in Methuen on uh, Lowell Street. Yep. So you get your JG's, get your ice cream delivered. And um, and by the way, they play pretty good poker, too. Do they really? Yeah. You know, we have them in the in our in our weekly poker game. I'll send it to my mother. Which, office. by the way, I'm trying to get another poker game together. We had one poker game at the beginning of this coronavirus stuff. We snuck into a local restaurant that w- who is owned by a friend of ours. We had six people. We played poker for about nine hours. We raised six hundred and fifty dollars for our scholarships for the bash because the bash is going to continue. It's going to go on once all of this is over. We're going to reschedule the bash. We've collected over twelve thousand dollars for scholarships for kids for our, our annual bash. Um, and we and 650 that came from a one poker game at the beginning of this coronavirus. How did you do? So uh, I did lost. I, I I was actually like the third guy out, or I would have won. Like first place win. So what we did, we charged fifty dollars a head. It's a fifty dollar rebuy and a fifty dollar add on if you want. And at the end of the night, whoever wins gets half the kitty, and the other half went to the scholarships. So we really raised like twelve hundred dollars. And 650 of it went to our scholarship. So we can get like four or five more people that are interested in coming. And I don't care if they have to come to my office because we can't, we can't use the place we used last time. He almost got caught and lost his license. So we're going to have them come to the Valley Patriot office. We are open. We're sharing. We are, we are, <laughs> we are open. And you'll have to use the secret knock to get in. And uh, we don't let any police officers, even off-duty, can't come. Sorry. Um, but if you want to come, please let me know because we're looking to – I have at a guy. You have a guy, yeah? I have a, I have a guy. I'll send him. Uh, please I'll send, send him someone. to us. Because during I, what I want to do is during this coronavirus standstill where everybody's at home and nothing's really progressing and happening, I want to be able to take advantage of this somehow to oh raise more God, money like, for our what kids. What person now wouldn't want to get out of their house? Right? <laughs> Hello. But I throw it up on Facebook. Who wants to play poker? And I get three, I get three responses. And I get 16,000 people on Facebook following me. They get three responses. It's like me, Kendall Luca, and Al Savastano. That's it. So if anybody wants fifty bucks, it's fifty dollars to get in and a fifty dollar rebuy. And if you want to do an add-on, we'll let you do it. How add-on. about this? I will sponsor someone. You'll sponsor someone yep. to play poker. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. I gotta hang around with her more. Yeah, I wish I had her money. Just she sponsor things and pay for things all over the place and pay people's copays and she's the best. When this is over, what do you think? You're, you're on the front lines of this medical stuff. When this is okay, over, well, if my staff heard this, they're like, they're probably like laughing, laying. Lisa is not. <laughs> well, but, but I mean, you are because you talk to your staff. We don't talk to your staff, so like, you talk to your staff. You, you're you're there with them, and, and I'm I'm not. I don't want to minimize. Look at how cute they are. Oh yeah, hold that up for the it's for so the cute. for the camera. They are so adorable. Yeah. Um, and there's actually so this is the drive-through. Uh, they did such a nice job. Yeah, and I'm so I am very thankful. Yeah, and they're great kids, and we give you guys uh, a, a lot of ink because I really think that people like you are heroes in the community, and the girls that work for you, and I'm sure you've got some guys working for you too, but Matt. I usually only see the girls when I go in because um, it's just kind of how I am. And, and by the way, they love me. When I go in to deliver the paper, like, oh, the Valley Patriot, like, they know the paper. Even though they're young, they're in their 20s, they read the paper, they're familiar with it. I don't know too many people in their 20s who read newspapers. They're smart kids. They're very kind, very respectful. They yeah. work very hard. Yeah. So, do you want to um, give us anything, any wrap up information, anything you wanted to want to say, you want to convey to the public while we're? So, first of all, I want to thank my Methuen staff today. Um, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, like more than you guys even know, especially during this time. Uh, and hopefully, if we'll, if we're not doing the drive through tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you might be sent to Stoneham on Saturday. If, uh, I, if I'm sick, can yeah. I go to AFC right now yes, if I'm you, not yes, worried about Corona? Yes, you can. You can, you can so go. So you guys are still open for business to so take care of other still, stuff. We're still open. Um, you just When you get there, you're going to be asked to just call the number on the door. One of the things that, I've, uh, that I love about AFC, and this is from personal experience, and it's not just because they're a sponsor because we've talked about it on the show before, 
I had an, I had an abscess tooth. Yeah. And I woke up and it was a Sunday morning. Well, you tell me you tell me what dentist you can find on a Sunday morning that's open and there's nobody open. And I was in so much pain, I couldn't even think. I was in tears. I couldn't it was just the most awful pain in the world. I showed up at AFC Urgent Care. First I texted you because, yeah. you know, you my friend. And you said, get over there. So I went over to AFC in North Andover. And I didn't let him know that you were coming. No. I'm, yeah. No, because I went in and they made me fill the I think I was making pancakes <laughs> and or something. I, w- I waited a total of seven minutes because I timed it before the doctor came to see me. The doctor came in and saw me. She looked at my tooth. She asked me a couple of questions. She gave me a prescription for antibiotic and something for the, for the pain until it went down because it was infected. And in under an hour and a half, I was in zero pain. And I hadn't slept it all the night before because I, I, the tooth was keeping me awake. So as soon as the pain died, I just conked out. I was out for the day. It was a Sunday. I lost the whole Sunday. I woke up the next day and said, thank God for AFC Urgent Care because where else would I have gone? Like where else, where else do you get an abscess tooth on a Sunday? Where else do you go to get any kind of relief? You'd have to go to like the emergency room at some hospital and have to wait through people who are having so strokes and whatever. So, I mean, I, and it's not the first time I've been to AFC, but that was, the, that was the time I was there for a real emergency, and they were great. And the doctor that, that saw me, I don't remember meeting her with you when you did the grand opening, but she was phenomenal. And I can't remember her name, and I'm sorry that I don't. But well, she, it's okay. She, she, she was phenomenal. And even like when I was leaving, they're like, is there anything more we can do for you? Um, here's a phone number if you want to follow up, if you have any questions when you get home. Sometimes people say, oh, I forgot to ask this. Just call us and ask. We're here for you. And I was really amazed by that because I'm, I'm used to not being treated that well when I go you know, to healthcare oh, that's places. so nice. It's so nice to hear. So, I, yeah, I appreciate that. And they do too. Yeah. So, all right. So, let's uh, wrap this up. We want to thank uh, JG's Ice Cream. Even though they're not paying for an ad, we, we definitely want you to buy their ice cream. Uh, we want the Jafrida Brothers to make lots and lots and lots of money so that hopefully come summertime, they'll buy ads. Horizon Home Care in Tewksbury, Climate Design Systems, pol- the Police Superior Officers Union, who, if you saw the beginning of the show, have settled their case with the city of Methuen, but Jim McCarty is holding back and not putting it on the agenda. So we understand that there is an agreement between the city and the Police Superior Officers Union, whom I side with 100% of the time, and it's not because they give me money. Uh, Ron Marshan and Son Construction, AFC uh, Urgent Care with uh, Lisa and uh, McLennan Real Estate. Let's wrap up uh, Melvin Taylor, and we'll, we'll take it uh, an early day today. Any, any, any final thoughts? How's Sarah doing? She's lovely. She's yeah. doing amazing. She was one of my kids when I was teaching at the Thompson. I love her. And Isn't she amazing? She I've is. known her since she was 10. Her mother used to watch my kids. The nicest kid. Yeah. The nicest she's, kid. She's doing awesome. So uh, my kids went to Thompson, and they needed somebody to run the school newspaper. See, th- you need to come back. That's so, your calling right so now. So I did that. You need to save more I did, children. I did that for four years. I ran the school right? newspaper. You need to Tiger save Prince. more kids. And she was Teach one them of, how to write. And she was one of my students, <laughs> and she was phenomenal. She's a great writer. I know. Yeah. yeah. All right, Melvin Taylor, Melvin Taylor says you got to go home, so go home already. Also, thank you to Dave Garofalo for uh, standing by us through all of the conflict and controversy that we go through. Um, remember that guy that came in and threatened to take all his business somewhere else? He's got the coronavirus, I heard last night. I hope he's doing okay. No, I hope he's doing... Oh I, no, no, no. Honestly, I hope, he's, I hope he's doing okay. I mean, regardless of what our personal feelings are, I don't want to see anybody get sick. I was going to send something over to his house, Dave, but I, I know he doesn't like me that much, so he might not have responded well. But we hope everybody feels better through all of this. Melvin Taylor says you got to go home. Ben Kitchen, great job doing uh, production today. So go home already. <laughs>